In today's episode, I'm going to help you save time and money and energy. I'm going to spare you from future regret and suffering, and I might make you feel just a little bit targeted, because today we're going to talk about the sunk cost fallacy. Hey everybody, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to encourage Christians to think biblically about every area of life so they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. And this episode is going to be an excellent example of how we can think biblically about literally every area of life, because I'm going to talk about something that maybe people haven't heard before, but I think all of us can look at at least some part of our lives where we have been guilty of today's topic. So as Christians, we, of course, want to be wise in every area of our lives. We want to make sure that we are honoring God with how we think and how we act. And a big part of that is in areas that we spend our time and our money. Now, because we want to be good stewards of the things God's given us, a lot of us can have an aversion to risk and loss where we don't want to essentially feel like we are throwing away the limited resources that we have. And when we do that, a lot of times what we can actually end up doing is in our pursuit of trying to save time or of trying not to waste money that we've spent, we end up actually wasting more time and wasting more money in our pursuits. And that is kind of the core of what the sunk cost fallacy is all about. Now, to really explain what that term means... Uh, it's really, it's one of those where I could just give a dictionary definition, but I think it's a lot easier to understand it when we see it in action in our lives. Now, the term itself, sunk cost, uh, basically just kind of finds its name from the idea that we can recover costs that we've sunk into something. And the fallacy is that we think this is true and we think that this works out in our favor, but actually it doesn't. So at its core, it goes a bit something like this. When we've invested our money into something, we are much more likely to continue spending money on it so that we don't waste what we've already spent. And so what we think in our minds is that, oh, well, if I've already spent money on this and then I walk away from it, I've wasted whatever I've already put into it. And so in order to feel like we are protecting ourselves from losing money, we will spend more money on something and more money and more money and we'll keep going because we fear that by walking away, the hundreds or thousands of dollars that we've spent up to this point are just going to be wasted. And now this doesn't always apply just to money, as we'll discuss, but that is kind of the root of where this discussion comes from just in kind of a secular setting, is that people will just keep sinking money into things in order to feel like they are recovering what they've already spent. So let me give just kind of a lighthearted example of how this plays out in our lives. So I am currently four days away from turning 36. So my body is not quite as young and able to handle things as it once was. And so let's say that I take $50 and I go to the big amusement park here in Iowa and I get on a ride and it kind of, you know, jostles me about and it's fun. But at the end of the ride, you know, my neck is feeling a little stiff. Uh, My back might be hurting. You know, maybe I'm feeling a little bit nauseous and I know it's because 
I don't handle roller coasters very well. And somehow I completely forgot that in all the planning I made to go to this amusement park. Now, at this point, I have one of two options. I can just kind of cut my losses and walk away and say, boy, that was $50 that I probably shouldn't have spent. But going on these roller coasters and things like that is just making me miserable. So I guess I'll just call it a day. That's one option. And a lot of you might be clutching your pearls thinking, oh, no, that's going to waste that $50. You know, why would you do that? And that's where a lot of people would make this other decision where we say, you know what, I've spent $50. I'm not going to let it go to waste. So I'm going to get my money's worth out of it. And so then I would get in line for another ride and another ride. And with every ride that I get on, I get more nauseous. I get more achy and after several hours, I am completely miserable from all of this. And so rather than just getting on one roller coaster, feeling kind of gross, buying a corn dog and then leaving, what I ended up doing is I spent several hours making myself more and more and more miserable. Now, here is where we see the fallacy at play. The moment I bought that ticket to go into the amusement park, that $50 was gone. No matter what I did after that point, that $50 was no longer mine. It was spent. There was nothing I could do to recover the money that I'd spent. At that point, all I could do was to make decisions that would affect me in the moment and in the future. And so in those two scenarios, I could have spent $50, been a little miserable for an hour, and learned a lesson about I'm too old for roller coasters, or I could have spent $50 and after the course of several hours spent the entire day miserable. In either scenario, I spent that $50. The only difference was how the rest of my day was going to play out. And that at its core is what the sunk cost fallacy looks like. It leads us to engage in poor choices and unpleasant behavior because we feel like we are recovering something we've already invested. We think that by pursuing these bad choices and these things that lead us to even more suffering, we are somehow justifying what we've already invested into whatever it is, an activity, a purchase, whatever it may be. And so like I said, that was kind of my lighthearted example. But what I want to do is now just look at some other ways that we see this fallacy come into play, as well as, biblically speaking, why we might be prone to this way of thinking. Now, the first way we see the sunk cost fallacy come into play in our lives is through overeating. Now, here is the problem that we face. When we go out to eat, it's an investment. Because we are paying not just for the food, but also the convenience of basically not having to cook or clean. And the bigger your family is, or the nicer the restaurant is, the more our bank account is going to start feeling that pressure. And so obviously we want to use our money wisely, and we want to make sure that we aren't wasting anything, especially the money we spend when we go out to eat. And so when we pay so much for our food, and... We've you know, had our fill, but we still have food left on our plate. What we, many people will find themselves doing is to keep eating past the point of feeling full or satisfied because they don't want to waste the money or the food in front of them. And so what ends up happening is 
we leave the restaurant feeling miserable because we have stuffed ourselves so much. You know, I know my wife and I, uh, we had a, a special event where we went to this really nice Italian restaurant. And, you know, I mean, the food was pretty pricey. And so we got our food and we ate and we both kind of looked out in our plates and realized, wow, I'm full, but this food's not going to reheat very well. So I should probably keep eating because I don't want to waste my money. And so we both left that restaurant on this, you know, kind of special occasion. It was a birthday or an anniversary. And we both left it basically just feeling miserable because we feared wasting our food and wasting our money. And so we made a, in hindsight, a bad decision to eat more so that we could feel like we weren't wasting. And that's kind of the irony of this situation is that we pay money to relax or enjoy something or to you know remove the pressure of having to make dinner. And the whole point of going out to eat is supposed to be just one of enjoyment. And yet, depending on how much food the restaurant gives us, we end the, the night feeling sick, feeling nauseous, feeling way too bloated to basically function like normal. And so what we end up doing is we eat beyond our needs and we demand that our bodies take in more than they can handle. And that's unhealthy. We end up letting our fear of wasting money lead to this unhealthy behavior. So now what's the reality here? What's really going on? Well, the core of it is that we will see that we're already spending money on this food. So you better believe that we are going to eat every single thing that we are given. It doesn't matter how much or how little food the restaurant gives us. If it's in front of us, we feel compelled to eat it because we feel like, well, I've paid for it, so I better do it. And especially if you've gone to like um, buffet-style things, you feel as though, you know, I'm paying for the right to eat all this food, so I'm going to eat beyond what I need because I have that open to me and I don't want to feel like I've wasted my money. But what we need to realize is that that money is gone. We've already paid for the meal. So whether we eat the entire plate of food or whether we don't touch it, that money's gone regardless. So in that moment, all we can do is choose, am I going to enjoy myself or am I going to end the night miserable? And so this is where something like a good biblical understanding of food comes into play because food, at the end of the day, is really about one of two things. It's about sustenance, you know, keeping us alive, giving us energy, or it's just about enjoyment. It's about enjoying the blessing of having food that's not just plain bread and water. And so when we understand food in that very simple concept, what we're going to realize is that when we overeat, when we go to a restaurant and we, you know, eat to the point of feeling uncomfortable or even miserable, we're actually misusing food because we're not using it for sustenance because we're eating past the point of how much food we needed in that moment. We're also not eating it for enjoyment because we are miserable because we ate that food. And so because we are afraid of wasting the money that we spent on this food, we end up suffering and making unpleasant and even unhealthy choices for our bodies simply to feel like we haven't made a bad choice. Now, another problem or another way that we see the sunk cost fallacy come into play in our lives is what I'm going to call fixing lemons. Now, if you've ever had you know, a car, a washing machine, or any other 
item that you have that just keeps breaking down on you, you're going to realize that everything in our world is going to need to be fixed. Nothing lasts forever. You know, if you've ever heard the phrase, throwing good money after bad, you know what it feels like to have something that keeps breaking down and you pay to fix it and then it breaks down again, maybe in a new way. And so you keep paying to fix it and on and on the cycle goes. We will keep putting more money into something because we fear that if we, are, if we were just to give it up and replace it, we're going to waste all the money we spent on fixing the item in the first place. I'll give you a personal example. My first car was a Ford Bronco 2. The thing was basically a hunk of junk riding on rubber. It broke down all the time. It was ridiculously expensive. And I put so much money into that thing over the course of my first few years owning it simply because it was my car and I didn't want to get rid of it. And I especially didn't want to look at it and say, well, you know, I've already thrown in $500, $1,000, you know, $1,500 fixing it up to this point. If I just give it up, then all that money is going to go to waste. And so I ended up spending so much money trying to keep this thing running because every month, every two months, it was just a new thing. Something new was going wrong with it. And it would have been much wiser for me just to realize that, you know, my mechanic was basically right and the thing was a lemon. The thing just needed to go because it was going to keep costing me money. I should have just cut my losses there. But instead, I kept throwing away more money trying to justify all the money I'd spent up to that point. And so my first car ended up costing me so much more than it really needed to simply because I was afraid of losing the money I'd already spent, even though, again, I can't lose it. The money's already spent. All that mattered was the decisions I made going forward. So the reality of what's happening when we keep investing money into fixing problematic items or goods is that... You know, on one hand, sometimes it is worth keeping something around. You know, there I'm not saying or advocating for just tossing something as soon as there's a little problem with it. That's not at all what's going on here. However, we as human beings are much more likely to keep something around far longer than we should simply because our understanding of what it means to invest is flawed. We think by keeping something around and continuing to fix that thing, even though we know that it is costing us more than it's worth, we think that we're saving money because it's, you know, $500 to fix it now versus $2,000 to replace it. And so we think in that moment, wow, that's I'm saving $1,500 by fixing this thing. But at the end of the day, what we're neglecting is the fact that we're going to keep sinking more and more money into it, only to have to eventually replace it anyway it's just a question of do we spend that $2,000 to replace it now or do we spend $2,000 fixing the problem only then to later have to spend $2,000 to replace it anyway. And so because we won't cut our losses, we end up spending much more than we really need to. Now the final example I want to share on how we might see the sunk cost fallacy play out is in toxic relationships. So here's the problem that we face. There are people in our lives that maybe we've known for years. And as time goes on, we find ourselves traveling in very different directions. Now, as followers of Christ, we may especially see this when maybe we grew up in a group of friends, but you know, we have been 
bought by the blood of Christ and we are following our Savior. And the more we do that, the more we see that our paths and our desires and our entire worldview is diverging from those very people that we used to be really, you know, in perfect harmony with. And so whatever situation we find ourselves in, a lot of times we'll find ourselves with friends who, you know, aren't just unsaved. You know, obviously we're not going to abandon friends just because they're not followers of Christ. But we have people in our lives who are ultimately very destructive towards us. Maybe they represent a time in our lives where we were enslaved to things like drugs and alcohol or, you know, going out on the town and getting drunk and hooking up with other people and things like that. And our consciences or our walk with Christ, whatever it is, we may be, you know, spiritually immature, we may be weak, or we may just have a hard time separating ourselves from that old life. And so we have these friends in our lives who are tempting us towards, you know, sin and following, you know, worldly pleasures, but we don't want to cut them because we don't want to, or even just reduce our time with them because we don't want to feel like we've wasted all those years that we've invested in becoming their friends. Likewise, we may just have friends in general or family members or even a romantic relationship that hasn't led to marriage yet where that person is harmful to our relationship with Christ. They bring us down, they you know, try to lead us astray, whatever it may be, and yet we allow them to stay close to us and close enough to still influence us because, again, we don't want these years that we've invested in this person to go to waste. And so we let our own spiritual walk with Jesus Christ suffer for the sake of maintaining relationships with people who are, at the end of the day, causing us great harm. Now, what is really going on here? Again, all those years up to this point that we've sunk into any relationship is gone. And that leaves us with a very simple choice. We can't, we can't recover those years. We can't invest more time in order to justify or redeem the time we spent. All we can do in this moment is make a decision. Do we give more time and potential heartache and suffering for the sake of the relationship? Or do we cut something harmful for our lives today, or maybe just reduce the amount of influence that relationship has on our lives. Now, obviously, this one is a lot more difficult than food or you know fixing a car, because those aren't living, breathing things created in the image of God. We are not called to love and serve those things like we are human beings. We can't you know bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ to our plate of food, or to our, you know, hunk of junk sitting on the driveway. And so here, all I can really advocate for is using great wisdom and asking yourself, are you in a position with a particular person in your life where you are an influence on them and are able to give them the gospel and are able to witness to them and bring them closer to Christ? Or are they pulling you away from your Savior? Because if you have someone in your life who you, you know, obviously you want them to be saved or to, if they are saved, to repent and turn towards Jesus Christ. If you're at that point with them, but what you're actually seeing is that they are dragging you down. They are leading you into temptation. You find yourself giving into alcohol or drugs or 
just you know getting involved in kind of secular things that are not healthy for you spiritually, then you need to ask yourself, who is really influencing who there? Are you really bringing them closer to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or are you just afraid of wasting years that you've invested into someone and are doing great harm to yourself spiritually because of that fear? So let's wrap up this discussion now with asking ourselves why we should care in the first place. Why have this conversation? Why worry about the sunk cost fallacy? Why not just go on with whatever makes sense to us? Well, as I've briefly discussed, this fallacy, this this bad way of thinking infests so many areas of our lives. It makes us stick with a TV show that we hate because we've already watched two seasons of it. Why would we let it go? Or we keep reading a book because, well, I've, I'm, all, I'm halfway through it. Why not finish it? And so we invest more time into whatever it is or we invest more money into whatever it is simply because we don't want to let go because we think that we are somehow redeeming what we've already invested into it. And I'm sure anyone listening right now can look at a particular area of your life, either in the past or even presently, and say, wow, yeah, I am really wasting my time or energy or money on something that I should have let go a long time ago because I thought that I could redeem it and justify the cost that I've already put into it. And you can maybe even see where you've been making a poor or even foolish decision with those things. And this whole discussion of the sunk cost fallacy, more or less up to this point, isn't even a Christian problem. It's not just a spiritual thing, because you can go online and just Google sunk cost fallacy and see all kinds of resources talking about this. This is a very deep-rooted problem that everyone in the world faces. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have far more reason to care than other people, because for the rest of the world, they they want to avoid the sunk cost fallacy because it brings them personal harm and personal suffering. But as Christians, we want to not just avoid unpleasantness for ourselves, but we also want to avoid anything that is foolish, anything that is unwise. You know, consider what Proverbs chapter four verses five and six reminds us of. It says, "Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding." Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. So we want to pursue godly wisdom. We want to honor God with all of our decisions. And we don't want to just do that because it benefits us. It leads us to a happier life. But because by pursuing wisdom, we pursue the things that God loves. And so while all of us can come up with our own individual and unique reasons why we should care about the sunk cost fallacy and especially applying wisdom to it. I just want to share three reasons why it's important for us to use wisdom anytime we're faced with the sunk cost fallacy. Now, the first reason that we should care is that we want to use our resources well. Again, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says, there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Now, Proverbs is full of examples of how a basically a fool and his money are soon parted. We know that inherently it takes wisdom not to waste the resources that we have, whether it's our time, whether it's our money, whether it's our emotional energy. 
it is very easy for us to squander the things that we have. But if we believe that God has given us everything that we own, then we want to make sure that we are good caretakers of it. We want to be good stewards of what God has given us. And so, in a way, it's almost humorous because, like I said in the beginning, because we fear wasting our money, we end up actually wasting our money. We spend, you know, $500 fixing a car because we want to justify the thousand dollars that we've already spent on it. And so what we end up doing is we just put ourselves in this vicious cycle of spending more time or more money on something that leads not to something good, but to more suffering and suffering that we could have avoided or waste that we could have avoided if we had simply objectively looked at the situation, kind of removed our emotions from it, and honestly evaluated and said, okay, I just need to cut my losses now because the time that I've spent, the money that I've spent is already gone. There's nothing I can do to redeem it or to get it back. And there is zero value in wasting more on this activity or this object. Now, another reason that we should care about thinking about this topic is that we will often compromise our self-control to our own destruction. Now, we know that in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, that part of the fruit of the Spirit is our self-control, that God gives us the means of having control over our emotions and our impulses so that we can glorify Him more with our actions. And so, if we just speak very specifically about how we think about food— or reading, or you know, watching a show, whatever it is, things that we do too much of to our, to our own harm or to our own suffering, when we give up that self-control and allow ourselves to go beyond what we know we should, again, whether it's overeating, whether it's you know, suffering through a terrible TV show, or whatever it is, you know, maybe we spend beyond what our budget allows or we keep things in our lives that don't benefit us or even bring us great harm, we do all of this knowing we shouldn't, knowing that it's leading us to great harm. And yet we refuse to stop despite the misery that it's introducing into our lives. And so we keep putting money into a hobby. We keep trying to fix something in the house. Whatever it is, we will keep going in a, in a pathway of suffering because we know we shouldn't, but our thinking is so flawed that we hurt ourselves because of it. And so when we see this fallacy, when we see this false way of thinking for what it is, we are better able to use wisdom in exercising our self-control, even though it may go against our, our emotions, or even if it goes against the advice of people who say, you know, no, you, know, you don't want to waste, you don't want to you know, throw all that money away that you've already spent. When we apply biblical and godly wisdom to any situation, then we can protect ourselves from continuing to eat, continuing to spend money, or continuing to just get hurt from whatever we've already invested in. And now the final reason I think we should care is that the sunk cost fallacy is often rooted in fear, pride, or shame. Now Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 reminds us, that he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. And so this final part of the discussion is ultimately going to be calling people 
to repentance, to recognizing that up to this point, if they recognize the sunk cost fallacy in their lives, it may be because of a sin issue, and it may be something that needs to be confessed to God and repented of. And I say that because when we give in to the sunk cost fallacy, there's always something that we're saying to ourselves that gives a logical reason or a justification for our behavior. Again, whether it's spending money, spending time on something, continuing to invest in a relationship, or allow that relationship to have an influence on us, our, our reasoning is often going to boil down to one of three areas. One is going to be fear. We fear losing something we've invested in, and so we engage in harmful and sometimes completely illogical and irrational behavior because we would rather suffer with that way rather than face loss, rather than feel like we've made a bad decision that led to this point, or rather than realizing that, you know, this has been you know, one bad decision in a series of bad decisions, and we don't want to lose something that we feel emotionally attached to. Number two is that we are proud. And often we are too proud to admit that we have made a mistake and we have used our resources poorly. And so we just kind of trudge ahead and cause further damage to ourselves rather than cut our losses because to do so is to say, up to this point, I have basically bitten off more than I can chew. I have put more time or money into this thing than I should have, but I don't want to admit that. I don't want to acknowledge that I've been wrong up to this point, so I'm going to keep trying to salvage the situation. I'm going to keep going ahead and spending my resources, ultimately in the hope that it'll all work out in the end, and that I won't have to have been wrong, and that I can say, aha, I knew I should have kept going with it. And number three is shame, because we are ashamed of the money or time that we've invested in something. And so we convince ourselves that we can somehow make it right by just investing a little bit more. And you'll often see this, for example, with gamblers. And this is a huge thing. And this is, I mean, ultimately the sunk cost fallacy is gambling in general because we keep hoping that by investing more, we're going to get a bigger payout and it'll all be worth it. But, you know, gamblers at the end of the day, they've, you know, put their money in a slot machine. They've spent their money at the card table, wherever it is, that money is gone. There's no way that they can recover what they've done. All they can do is decide whether they keep putting in more money and try to come out ahead or acknowledge that they've lost enough and need to just cut ties and leave. And this is where we all gamble because we are ashamed of how much we've lost and we think just a little more, just a little bit more time, just a little bit more money, and it'll all be worth it. When we know deep down that if we were giving advice to someone else in our situation, we know we would tell them, you've wasted enough time, you've wasted enough money. Just stop it now because all you're doing is causing further harm to yourself. So when we see the sunk cost fallacy for what it is, it's easy to see that we're falling for it over and over and over again. And the more we recognize it, the more we can start to trace our reasoning behind it. We can see how this flawed thinking causes us much more harm than we ever wanted it to. And more importantly, 
we can see the areas in our lives where we let fear, pride, or shame take control away from our faith in God and the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us. So if you have got to this point and you see the sunk cost fallacy in your own life, whether you're currently giving into it or whether you've seen it in your past, you know, don't feel ashamed, don't feel discouraged. I guarantee you everyone falls for it. It is a very easy thing to fall into because it gives us a feeling of control or it helps us to avoid the feeling of loss or failure. And at the end of the day, it even makes perfect sense. You know, before this episode, you may have thought that everything that you were doing was perfectly logical and justified because it, do, it just seems that way. So don't lose heart about mistakes you've made or are currently making. Instead, let this be the moment where you stop and ask yourself, should I keep investing in what I'm doing? Or is it the more wise decision to just cut it where I am now, understanding that the money I've spent, the time I've invested, it's gone. And maybe it's not been a waste. Up to this point, maybe the show that you're watching, the close relationship you have with a person, you can look back at the good times you've had and be thankful for them. But if the future is just going to be suffering, misery, or just a waste of time or money, then just be thankful for the time you've had up till now and understand that it's time to move on. So wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself falling for this fallacy, don't let your emotions, don't let your fear or your pride or your shame let you give up self-control and keep giving in to destructive decisions and instead rely on God's grace and his wisdom to keep moving forward. And I just want to end this with another reminder from Proverbs about how important it is not to lean on our understanding because it's our understanding, it's our wisdom that has led us to wasting time and money up to this point. But it's wisdom from God that can set us free from that. And this is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. If you'd like to support this ministry, there are three ways that you can do that. You can support it through prayer for me and Onward in the Faith itself, through outreach by sharing this episode with others, or through a monthly or one-time donation by visiting patreon.com slash onward in the faith or by following a link down in the show notes. Make sure you also visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. I hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith toward maturity in Christ.